0: Welcome to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's student pastor Evan Sastar. It's good to be in church this morning. It's good to be in God's house and in His presence and worshiping the Lord. It just feels so good. If you don't know who I am, my name's Evan Sastar. I'm the youth pastor here. It's an absolute honor to be able to preach today. I'm grateful to my dad, to Pastor Chris for, for giving me the opportunity and, uh, and, and really excited to see what the Lord wants to do through his word today. Hey, um, several years ago, I don't remember exactly what grade I was in, maybe like 10th grade or something like that. Like I had not been driving long. I had what I considered to be the worst morning of my life. I was going through a period of my life where I was very just tired and I didn't even realize it. Like, I'm in school, I'm doing a bunch of stuff, I'm staying up late, I'm busy all of the time, and I just didn't realize just how tired I was. And then one Saturday night, me and my brother went to a Clemson versus uh, Carolina football game in Clemson, had a big time, screamed a bunch, stayed out late, had a great night. And then that Sunday morning, I got up very, very early to last-minute serve in kids' church that day so as I'm driving to church, for whatever reason, I didn't play any music. I didn't roll the windows down. I didn't do anything. I just drove in silence. And now at the time, we were living kind of like towards downtown Anderson, so I would drive to church up Midway Road. The last thing I remember is getting to a Midway Presbyterian Church, and I don't remember anything after that, which means I drove four minutes asleep at the wheel. Then as I'm coming around the curve, where is, is it Rivendale, where that little entrance is to that neighborhood right there? I, I am and suddenly, you know, woken up because my car is going off the road. I slam on the brakes, I'm screaming, I run into a sign and I just sit there. And thankfully this, this kind man on his way to work stopped and checked on me and we got everything worked out. It was terrifying. And to this day, my parents are like, Evan, you can tell us. Were you looking at your phone? It's all right. I'm like, no, I actually fell asleep at the wheel. It was miserable. I had no idea I was that tired in that season of life. I had no idea I was that tired that morning. And and because of all of that, quite literally, I wrecked my life that morning. Maybe you've walked into church today, and if you're honest, it's not that you're physically tired or mentally tired, but maybe you're honest this morning, your soul is tired. Like in your relationship with God, in your spirit, you are tired and you are burdened, and it is weighing on you. Maybe the guilt of sin is weighing on you today of who you used to be or, or what you've done or what you're doing now and you feel like you can't break free or be forgiven and it's just a burden and every day gets heavier and heavier and you're more and more tired. Maybe you're trapped in a cycle of sin, an addiction, a habit. It's destroying your life or your family or whatever and, and you're desperately wanting to break free and you're just tired. Maybe because of the way you were raised, you're bound to legalism. That you don't work for God because he saved you. You worked in order to be saved. And every day you're met with your own imperfection and you're tired. I've come to tell you today, if your soul is tired, Jesus says, come to me and I will give rest for your soul. And so today, that's why we are looking uh, first at 1 Kings chapter 12 in the Old Testament and then Matthew chapter 11 in the New Testament. What I'd like to do today is read both of those passages. We're going to mainly camp out in the New Testament and Matthew, but I want us to read this story in the Old Testament to kind of have as a reference point, to keep in the back of your mind as we're reading this passage, because I believe it's a good parallel. And so today I'm going to read a lot of scripture. And so, what I want you to do, I want to invite you, don't zone out, but I want to invite you uh, to, to pay attention, to, to stare at the screen, to read along with me, and trust that God's word is not any word, but it's living and it's active. And before I preach anything, allow God to speak to you directly through his word. So, I'm going to ask, would you stand this morning in reverence of God's word? And our, our first reading, it's going to be from 1 Kings. Chapter 12, uh, I believe beginning in verse 1. And it says this, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. So it happened when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard it. He was still in Egypt, for he had fled from the presence of King Solomon and had been dwelling in Egypt. They sent and called him. Then Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father and this heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. So he said to them, Depart for three days, then come back to me. And the people departed. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived. And he said, How do you advise me to answer these people? And they spoke to him, saying, If you will be a servant to these people today and serve them, And answer them and speak good words to them. Then they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him. And consulted the young men who had grown up with him who stood before him. And he said to them, what advice do you give? How should we answer this people who have spoken to me? Saying, lighten the yoke which your father put on us. Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him saying, Thus you should speak to this people who have spoken to you saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day as the king had directed, saying, Come back to me the third day. Then the king answered the people roughly, and rejected the advice which the elders had given him. And he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. So the king did not listen to the people, for the turn of events was from the Lord, that he might fulfill his word which the Lord had spoken by Ahijah the Shelanite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. Now when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, saying, What share have we in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now see to your own house, O David. So Israel departed to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the children of Israel who dwelt in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was in charge of the revenue, but all Israel stoned him with stones, and he died. Therefore, King Rehoboam mounted his chariot in haste to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. And now we flip uh, very short verses, um, Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Thank you so much. You can be seated. I know that was a lot of scripture, but I believe God's word is powerful in and of itself. So here's what's going on, let me summarize the Old Testament passage, then we'll dive into the New Testament and kind of compare them along the way. What's going on is King David is king over Israel, everything's going good, he dies and then Solomon is made king over Israel. If you've grown up in church, you know that Solomon is the wisest man to ever live. God gifted him with supernatural wisdom. But eventually Solomon, though he was wise, became foolish. He quit worshiping God, he took all kinds of wives from all these other nations, and he began to worship their idols. And God said, I'm gonna pronounce judgment on you and the nation for your idolatry and sin. So then Solomon's son Rehoboam takes over. And Rehoboam is marked by a few characteristics. He is wise in his own eyes, and he is proud. The people are coming to him and they're like, look, your father worked us hard, Please make it easy on us, lighten the work that he made us to do, lighten our burden. So he talks to the elders, what should I do? They're like, if you will serve the people, they'll serve you forever. But he rejects wisdom for foolishness. And he talks to his buddies that he grew up with, and they say, tell them you're going to make it worse on them. It's pride. I'm king. I'm in control. You serve me and do whatever I want. I lord over you. And when he tells them that, he adds this heavy burden on them. Because of his foolishness and his pride and the burden that he adds, the kingdom of Israel is quite literally split. Ten of the twelve tribes leave with Jeroboam and become the northern kingdom Israel. And Rehoboam is only left with two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, the southern kingdom. And he splits the people. And this is heavy because Jerusalem is where the temple is, where God's presence is, where the priesthood is, where the sacrifices are, where forgiveness is, and worship and relationship with God is. And he sends them away because of foolishness and pride and a burden. And so now, with that in the back of your mind, let's fast forward to the New Testament. Now we're in Matthew chapter 11 Uh, Beginning in verse 25, right before that, Jesus is frustrated at the the people around him. Because John the Baptist is preaching, now he's in prison. Jesus has been preaching and they won't listen. He's like, How can I compare this generation? Like, John the Baptist came living this austere lifestyle. He didn't eat or drink like everyone else. And they said he has a demon. He's like, I came with a normal diet, eating and drinking. You said that I'm a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. We can't do anything to make you folks happy. No matter what we do, no matter how we preach, you won't listen. Then he begins to pronounce woes on the towns and the people around them. And so he's going to these towns, and he's not just preaching. He's doing miracles. And he's like, woe to you. If I would have done the miracles I did in your towns in, like, Tyre and Sidon or Sodom way back in the day, wicked, ancient Near Eastern cities— They would have repented. But you people who have the Bible and the Old Testament and the law and the prophecies, and you know the power of God, I'm doing miracles, and you won't repent. Why? Because you're proud. He says, Capernaum, you want to lift yourself up high to the heavens? I will bring you down to Hades. You do not think that good of yourself. They're proud. And what's the second reason they won't repent? It's because they're wise in their own eyes. In fact, Jesus says, beginning in verse 25, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from who the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. Who are the people that cannot receive the revelation of the kingdom of God? It's the proud and it's the wise in their own eyes. And so if we can kind of give an application of that, what does that look like today? It's some, pride and, and being wise in your own eyes, that, that's you know intertwined. You, you can't really separate them. It's somebody who says, look, God, I don't need you. I know what's best for my life. I know how to make myself happy. I can accomplish it on my own. I don't have to worry about anything. I will make enough money or form the right relationships or get the right position or get in the right marriage or do the right things, and my life will be satisfied. I don't need you. I live for me. And it's also a commentary on their conscience. I'm not worried about dying because I'm a good person and I'm righteous on my own. I don't have to answer to anybody. I'm doing good on my own. But Jesus says... You won't receive the kingdom of God. You won't be able to see it. Who do I reveal myself to? To infants. To people who are humble and lowly. Infants can't do anything on their own and they don't know anything. And when adults who are like that in spirit, they can receive the kingdom. These are folks who realize I've tried to do it on my own and money doesn't satisfy and sex doesn't satisfy and positions and respect don't satisfy and every time I've tried to do life on my own, I make a mess of myself or my family or my relationships or my soul or my mental health. I don't know where to turn, but I'm a mess on my own. Not to mention I'm a sinner. And I do wrong. I don't sleep good at night. I've lied to people, I've cheated people, I've started fights, I've damaged my family. I've done all of these things. I need someone to help me. It's the infants who receive the revelation of God. They're the ones who receive it, but how is it revealed to them? Jesus tells us that it's actually him. In verse 27, he says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Infants receive it, but how do they receive it? Or or who reveals God to them? It's Jesus. He says, the Father has entrusted all things to me. And then he he basically says, the Father has revealed all things to me. I, I have all wisdom and all knowledge and all understanding of God. But Jesus roots this in his eternal relationship with the Father. He says, no one knows the Son but the Father. And no one knows the Father but the Son. Now, he doesn't mean this ultra-literally. There were God-fearers in the day that we could say really did know the Father. At the same time, people clearly knew the Son. I mean, like, he had disciples. He had a family. He was going around doing miracles. Jesus is usually using strong language to say this. You may know the Father, but only I know the Father. You know what I'm saying? put that emphasis. You may know the son, but only the father knows the son, right? Like a lot of y'all know my wife, Elizabeth, but only I know Elizabeth due to my relationship and closeness with her. Many of you know my dad, Pastor Chris, but only I know my dad because he's my father. I've grown up with him and I've lived with him. Jesus is saying, I know the father and the father knows me. Why? Because God Is the Trinity, which means this. There's one God who has eternally existed as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And for all of eternity, God has existed in relationship with himself, Father and Son. They share the same divine nature, essence, substance, the the same nature that has all power and all wisdom and is everywhere at once, and then they've been in relationship for eternity. Jesus is saying, I am perfectly fit to reveal God the Father. Only I really know him, but I'll reveal him to you. You see, the role of Jesus is to reveal the Father. Do y'all mind if we do something? Do y'all mind if we get a little theological today? Is that cool? Can we put our theology hats on, just have a little bit of fun? The role of Jesus is to reveal the Father, to point to the Father. He says, in John, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But but one of the places I think this is so clear is at the beginning of John's gospel. John calls Jesus the Word. He says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God because he's a separate person, but he was God because he shares the same nature. But he calls him the Word. Now, what do words do? Words communicate. Words communicate express words take what's hidden in the mind and they reveal it before other people jesus is the word of the father who reveals the father in fact y'all want to help me out today just like have a little bit of fun today here's what i want you to do nobody say anything right now in your mind i want everybody in the room just think the word jesus i'll let you dwell on it because it's the name above all names amen all right it's good You got Jesus. Now, on the count of three, I want everybody in the room to say Jesus. You ready? One, two, three, Jesus. So what did you just do? What was hidden in your mind was then revealed through the word. Jesus, the son of God, the word of the father is the one who reveals the father because of his unique relationship with him. Now, Y'all want to just have some fun and let's just complete the Trinity? You guys want to, is that cool with y'all? Because we're missing the Holy Spirit, okay? You think, Father, it's revealed by the word, but the only way a word is spoken is by your breath. That Hebrew word ruach, which means breath or wind, it also means spirit. The spirit, (laughs) Reveals the Son, the Word, who speaks about the Father. No one can say Jesus Christ is Lord except how? By the Spirit of God. Jesus says the Spirit will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Spirit is the anointing, as John says, who teaches us all things. Jesus says it's the Spirit who will recall all the words I've spoken to you. He says that to the apostles. It is the Spirit who quickens our hearts to see the Son who reveals the Father. And I'm not just saying that to nerd out. I'm bringing that around. Why is that important? Because Jesus says this. The only people who can receive the revelation of the Father are infants. But how do we become infants in spirit? Not on your own. You can't work up humility in yourself. You're born in sin. How do you become an infant in your heart? It's by the Holy Spirit who brings you low. Jesus says that it's the Spirit who will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. It means it's the Spirit who makes us wise about the sin in our lives. It's the Spirit who teaches us about the righteousness of Jesus. It's the Spirit who enlightens our minds to know and believe that Jesus is coming back one day to judge the living and the dead, and I need to repent. And it's the Spirit who convicts me and brings me love. That I have to admit I'm a sinner. That I have to admit I've done wrong that I have to admit I am not righteous in my own eyes, but I have done wrong again and again and again in thought, word, and deed. David says in the Psalms that when he sinned, the heavy hand of God was upon him. It's the role of the Spirit to place his heavy hand upon you to bring you low. God is reaching out to his people saying, do not resist the Spirit of God who's trying to bring you low, but allow my Spirit to work in your heart to make you an infant, that you may see Jesus who reveals the Father. And lastly, how does the Spirit speak to us? It's through His Word. It is the sword of the Spirit. It is God who breathed, spirit-inspired. And so if I can make this practical now and apply this, can I tell you what the Spirit of God written in His Word says about human beings and what it says that we should not lift ourselves up high and think too highly of ourselves? But can I tell you about what the, the Word says and why we should think lowly of ourselves? The reality is this. The Bible says you did not make yourself. God took dust of the earth and he made Adam. Dust. That should humble you right there. And in modern context, you you did not make yourself. God and your parents made you. You had no choice to enter this world. You are out of control there. Second thing is Jesus told Adam, from dust you came and to dust you shall return. You have no ability to control when you die, but you will. Doesn't matter how much you work out, how many vegetables you eat, how many disgusting kale salads you make, there is a day coming, you will die. You don't have control over that. You're not all that. Paul says that we have this treasure in jars of clay. Your body is not all that great. It gives out on you, it breaks on you. It doesn't work all the time like, you know, you want it to. And I'm told the older you get, the worse it gets. I don't know. You don't have ultimate control over this. You don't know everything. You're not that smart. You have to rely on other people and trust them every single day. And even then, humanity gets it wrong constantly. You can't trust your own desires. You feel and think and desire all kinds of things that if you ever acted on all of them, you'd be in prison or dead. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? More than that, the Spirit of God is reaching out to you through creation. Paul says that everyone is without excuse because creation reveals God. And creation is trying to humble you. Pastor Matt Chandler says all the time, no one sits at the Grand Canyon and thinks, wow, I'm amazing. I crushed it this year. 401K is going great, right? You feel small. And you are in awe of the beauty. Even creation is trying to bring you low. But ultimately, it's what God's word says about you, not about all these other things, but about your sin. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all done wrong. We've all been born in our sin. We've all lied and hurt other people. We've taken things that we shouldn't have. We've maybe done sketchy business dealings. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. I don't know. Like, we can go, the list goes on and on and on. No matter how righteous you want to portray yourself to people, if you're honest with yourself in here, in here you are selfish and wicked and sinful and you've done things time and time again that you regret because you know they're wrong. And you are not on your own, this self-controlled, wonderful being. Jesus says, if you you sin, you're a slave to sin. We're all a slave to something without Christ. To money, or respect, or power, or position, or comfort, or pleasure. And we know we couldn't stop seeking those things if we tried, because we love them. And I'm not saying that to be negative or to be a downer to beat you up today. I'm just trying to bring you low. You're not all that and neither am I. And the Spirit of God is reaching out to you maybe right now. If you're watching online right now saying, just admit it. You're a sinner and you need me. You are not your own God. You're an infant and you need me if today you admit your sin, repent of it, hate it, place your faith in Jesus who lived perfectly for you and died the death you deserved and rose again, you will be saved. We just sung it, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Don't think of yourself so highly. Bring yourself low by the Spirit of God. But then finally after Jesus says that he reveals the Father to infants, He kind of gives us an idea of of who he's calling out to and what he wants to do for us. He says in verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is easy. Is light. Jesus is reaching out to the people who are tired of their sin, tired of doing life on their own, tired of their bondage, and want somebody to make it easy. In fact, if we think back to our Old Testament passage, Rehoboam, he's foolish and he's proud, and he places a burden on the people, and what happens? They split. Jesus is the wisdom of God who is gentle and lowly. He says, let me re- remove your burden and give you mine that is easy <clears throat> and light. And instead of sending people away from the kingdom of God, he says, come to me. Jesus is the fulfillment of what Solomon and Rehoboam were not. Come to me. In fact, Jesus is quoting here a passage from Jeremiah. I believe it's chapter 6. I'm going to paraphrase here, but God is calling out to a sinful and wicked people, Israel. And he's saying this. He's saying, look, return to me. Walk down the ancient paths. Go toward what is good. You will find rest for your souls. And the people say, no. And Jesus is subtly referencing that passage, saying, I'm the ancient of days. I'm goodness itself. And if you will just come to me, Israel, like I called out to you through Jeremiah, you will find rest for your souls. What Jesus does is he removes the burden of sin. And he places on us his own yoke that is easy and light. When he's talking about yoke, he's not talking about an egg, but I know you're all thinking it. Right? A yoke was something you would put on an animal to hook them up to farm equipment. But a yoke in Old Testament terms also had a connotation of bondage and slavery for human beings. But in Jesus' day, they made yokes for animals that actually made the burden easier on them so that they could work harder. Jesus is wanting to remove the yoke of bondage and slavery and replace it with his own in service to him. That's easy and light. I remember another time in my life when I was in college, maybe my sophomore or junior year, and... um, I was just really, really busy, like even busier than when I wrecked my car. Like it was wild. I had a lot going on. I was going to school full time. I was trying to make time for my now wife. I was trying to have a social life. I was working several hours at a grocery store, and then I was very, very involved at church. I served in kids' church on Sunday mornings. I would serve up here on Sunday mornings when I wasn't in kids' church. I was the youth band leader on Wednesday nights. I was doing everything all the time, and I was just tired. Like, I, I was not making it. Staying up late, getting up early, going all day, I, really, I couldn't handle it. And so I remember one night at the dinner table, I kind of shared with my parents that I was struggling, but I never really said what I was going to do about it, right? You're just venting. You're just kind of, you know, letting it out there and just saying how tired you were, and that was kind of the end of it. Well, then one night, maybe, you know, a week later, Pastor Derek, who's the youth pastor at the time, me and my dad went out, and we were just going to, like, have a good time in Greenville. We should go to the shooting range and eat some dinner and have a great time. That's what I thought we were doing. And so the first thing we did that night was eat dinner, and we're sitting around the table. And all of a sudden, my dad looks at me, and he goes, Evan, you going to tell Pastor Derek what you're planning to do? And I said, what? Never consults me again. Just looks at Derek and says, yeah, Evan's stepping down from everything. You're going to have to replace him. And then goes on eating. Bro, my man's just trying to have a good time and he just lost his youth band leader. Poor guy. I was so embarrassed, like, I'm sorry. But after the fact, I was relieved. I stepped down from kids church, I stepped down from youth, I stopped doing all this stuff and I just got involved in church just a little bit upstairs doing what I loved. and what was a burden was transformed into something that was light and easy and fun and the joy of the Lord returned to me because I wanted to be here. What dad did is he, he removed the burden that was on me and he gave me an easier one. That's what Jesus is trying to do with you today. Remove the burden of sin and give you his own. So what does it look like for Jesus to remove the burden of sin and slavery? He removes the burden of guilt. Because of our sin, we all have a conscience. We know we've done wrong. And so we have the fear of death, of punishment, of judgment, that I'm a sinner and it's my fault and God's going to judge me, but that burden is removed in Christ. Because Christ lived a righteous life so you could become the righteousness of God. And Christ died so his blood could cover your sin. And Christ was raised again for your justification so you could be declared right before God. And all of your sins are gone, separated as far as the east is from the west. And my guilt is removed in Jesus. He removes the bondage and the power of my sin. That I had to say yes because it was a slave master. And although sin remains, it no longer reigns because Christ has set me free. He delivers me from both its bondage, from its power, from its guilt. And he delivers me from the fear of death. Christians can die easy because we know we'll meet Jesus. That's why John says perfect love casts out all fear. And the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I am assured the Spirit bears witness with my spirit, as Paul says, that I am a child of God. And if I died today, I know where I'd be. Not only that, but he removes the burden of legalism. When you study the Bible, you always want to study in context. If you've noticed, I read the passages before verse 25 where Jesus was dealing uh, with a generation that was unresponsive. But if we look next into chapter 12, Jesus has to deal with legalism. And he's commenting on that too because the Pharisees were legalists. They made up their own rules and said, you have to follow it to be right with God. And it was a burden on the people because no one could obey them perfectly. The Pharisees didn't. They just lied about it. And maybe today you've grown up, or maybe you've kind of made this up in your own heart, I don't know, a legalistic attitude that says, in order for me to be right with God, I have to be perfect. It is about my outward presentation, it is about being perfect, that if I've sinned one time, there's no hope for me, and it's a burden. You're constantly overanalyzing everything and under shame and guilt because you can never measure up. You are working for salvation. But I've got good news for you. You are not your own righteousness, Jesus is. He became for us wisdom righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And if you are in Christ, clothed with Christ, if you've put on Christ, his righteousness is yours, not your righteousness. And you can rest easy that I am not working for salvation, I'm working from salvation, just because I love God and I want to please him. But then finally, Jesus says, take on my yoke, put on my yoke, Jesus isn't saying, I set you free to not serve anybody. He's said, I set you free to serve me. But my yoke, it's easy. My burden is light. Come to me. And, and at first glance, that seems too good to be true. Because what Jesus commands us to do is kind of difficult, right? Like, you know, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to carry your cross. You need to die to yourself, Right? The death of the saints is pleasing in the Lord's sight. That doesn't sound good. Forgive those who sin against you. Bless those who curse you. Oh my gosh, Jesus, are you sure? And yet what Jesus calls us to is easy in life. Paul says that God works in us both to will and to work. It's easy because I have a new will. I want to. I have this weird desire. I want to forgive those who sin against me. And I want to bless my neighbor. And I want to be free from sexual sin. And I want to start telling the truth no matter what happens. Why? Because the Spirit is working in me. But he says he works in you both to will and to work. I now have a supernatural power and capability to carry it out. I don't just want to. I actually can. John Wesley says that God works in you so you can work. God works in you so you must work. God has worked in us so that we can work out our salvation. And in Christ, we have that strength. His burden is easy because by following the difficult things, it actually sets me free, and I know it. When I stop loving money so much and worshiping it, I'm actually free from the anxiety of having to get all this stuff and worried about losing it. Because it's not mine anyway. When I actually become chaste and live a pure sexual life, I don't have to worry about all the consequences. I can rest easy. I'm walking in God's will, and it's the best thing for my life. Right? I know when I forgive those who hurt me, I'm actually set free from anger and bitterness that would rot my soul till the day I died, but now I can just let it go. The hard things become easy because of what they do for us. It becomes easy because I know the hope of eternal life and I want to endure. It becomes easy because I have a love for God. We love because he first loved us. And Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords, but he doesn't lord it over us. But he's watching out for our good. And if Jesus Christ was born in a major and became a man, if our king was crowned with a crown of thorns and enthroned on a cross and he did all that for me, I'm saying, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. Tell me what you want me to do. And it's easy because I do it out of love. And so would you stand today? In a moment, I'm going to invite everybody down to the altar just to respond, and you respond how you need to respond. If you need to repent of your sins today, If if you're one of those people that you're wise in your own eyes, if you're proud, but but the Spirit has brought you low, repent. You don't have to do a hand raise. I don't have to walk you through a prayer. If you just call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. And then for the rest of you, if, if you're a Christian, but there's areas in your life that you are a little proud or you are a little wise, hand those over to the Lord today. Say, God, I trust you. And for the rest, say, Lord, reveal to me your burden is easy and light. And God, help me to walk in the freedom you've intended for me. So if you will, would everybody in the room just step down to the altar. Come on, everybody step out. This is just a place where you meet with God. This is a, a physical statement. Lord, I'm coming to meet with you. I'm coming to give my all to you. I'm coming to respond to you. Whatever you need today, however you need to respond, however the word and the spirit has spoken to you, As soon as you get down here, begin to pray. Begin to call out to God. Begin to reach out to Him. And trust for the Spirit to do a good work in your heart. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.